Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Cult Standard, your movie podcast for all the cult films fit to follow. My name is James. And my name is Mike. And today on The Cult Standard, where every episode we review a different movie that has garnered a cult following and decide whether or not to join that cult, we, with the the help of a very special guest, are going to be reviewing Fantastic Planet, which uh, screened at the Pickford Film a few months ago, maybe longer. Um, Pickford Film is Bellingham's only independent cinema. It's based in downtown, has two different locations. And they have a third eye uh, cult film series where it's just a month, Every month they have a uh, different cult film on, uh, suggested by the Pickford staff or volunteers. And this staff and volunteer is named Jules. And uh, Jules, tell us uh, who you are. Just <laughs> Hi, uh, I'm, I'm Jules. Um, I am a projectionist at the Pickford. Um, uh, with everything going on, technically, uh, most of the projectionists are not employed right now with the Pickford, but right. hopefully that will be continuing again and I will once again be a part of that team. Um, but yeah, projectionist is my position and uh, uh, yeah. Well, and, and hopefully the uh, the Third Eye Cinema series will, will uh, continue in its, in its previous form and then we can we can start talking about the new films that people suggest, not the, uh, the ones before. Not that we are com- complaining at all. We uh, have been very appreciative of the, of the Pickford's uh, staff and volunteers for slumming it with us um, here at the Cult Standards. So, um, but yeah, the, uh, it, I know recently with COVID they've been doing um, some Netflix parties uh, with a lot of their you know, film series, uh, Third Eye Cinema included. Um, and I think maybe at the end, um, or even right now, we'll, um, if there's any upcoming watch parties or uh, things to plug in regards to the Pickford, um, we'd be, we'd love to hear about them just to, just to get people involved because it's just such a part, it's such an important part of the, of the community up in Bellingham. Yeah, totally. Uh, things have kind of slowed down at this point, but yeah. I will make sure if I can, I'll find, I'll find something to plug at the end. <laughs> cool. If you yeah, have a, I, I, if you have a if you have a oh. Twitter or you know a letterbox or something that you want to plug to you know this is your platform so um, but uh, in the movie we're talking about is uh, Fantastic Planet um, and it's the 1973 animated uh, French film by director Rene Leloup I don't know if I said that right um, but my last name's Cosinides so you know I've I've <laughs> I can dish it out and I can I can take it um, the Fantastic Planet. Um, when did when did that run at the at the Pickford exactly? I, I don't remember the dates. It was the last weekend of February, I think. Oh, okay. Uh, well, pretty recent as far as you know things happening in in the world is concerned. Yeah, totally. yeah. And also a little bit, uh, not to get too far ahead, but a little bit prophetic. I guess not really prophetic, but uh, anticipatory of uh, <laughs> of things that would sort of come to be on the public consciousness uh, in the ensuing months. Well, um, you know, it was funny before in the pre-show, um, Mike had said like, oh yeah, the, I love that uh, we're doing this podcast. It's a good idea for us to get outside of our, our boxes and such. But once I heard about this film, I was like, Mike, this is, this is your box. Um, <laughs> he, I like, he, he's so well read on French films, uh, obscure and, animated films, uh, all over the place. And, and like, this is, this is Mike all over it. <laughs> well, and also my, my ears, uh, perked up at the, uh, when I learned that, uh, Jer- uh Jerry Turnka, I don't, I actually don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but uh, I had, his studio worked on, on 
Fantastic Planet. Um, and I had been familiar with some of his, uh, he, he tended to work in stop motion animation and he has some really interesting work. Um, I think his best known movie is called The Hand. Um, but he's also got a really cool adaptation of Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream. And he's been referred to as the Disney of Eastern Europe. But uh, again, kind of like when they apply that to something like that to Miyazaki, um, not entirely fair because he's a, he's very much a, a, his studio is very much built around like, you know, you know, harboring a, a, sort of a small independent kind of feel to it. And so I was very excited to see another thing that they had worked on. Um, and I hadn't heard, hadn't heard of this film at all and, <laughs> until it was uh, suggested a, a little bit ago. Once, once I, I showed Mike, I sent Mike the list of the films that Pickford has done for The Third Eye, and he's like, oh, Fantastic Planet. I'm like, what? Yeah. Um, so I knew nothing. Mike knew a little bit. You clearly knew a lot, Jules. How did you w tell me about what, how you first heard about this film when you first saw it? Under what conditions, etc. Uh, yeah, so um, I think the first time I saw it was actually in like a film club in college, um, and I normally don't really connect to animated films very much, but hmm. something about that the paper cutout stop motion like it's such a unique style, and I mean I'm sure things have been influenced by it now but for like 1973 like I mean I just thought it was so cool and then and then the the experimental jazz funk score like if if you can't get behind the visuals of it like the music in itself is, is like art in itself and then what it's trying to say I think like it's like this it's like defamiliarizing the viewer's relationship with like with animals and with humanity and otherness and ethics and like all of that delivered with this weird psychedelic art style and music. I just think it's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, well said. Yes. Um, the basic plot synopsis of the fantastic planet is that, um, humans have been taken to a different planet by giant blue aliens, um, where they're are treated as, uh, pets essentially. Um, and they can be domesticated or they can be, uh, you know, out in the wild and then there's it's sort of a story about how the how the uh, tension between them uh you know unfolds um, and the, their relationship and the intricacies of it and yeah it, as you said it it certainly has a lot to say so um yeah if if to uh you know to begin at the beginning as the saying goes um it's got one of the most i mean immediately gripping openings to really any movie that I've seen just in the way that it kind of um, delivers its overall premise in a pretty like succinct way, but also a little bit gradually because when the, the film starts, you just see a woman carrying her baby running away from something um, in kind of a, in a nondescript landscape. And then you just see a blue hand coming a giant down. hand. <laughs> a giant blue hand um, obstructing her from climbing up a hill. And within a few, w within like a minute, you kind of know exactly. I mean, I, I had seen these blue aliens plastered over the poster and the criterion cover. And I knew, I, I knew that, you know, they were a main focus. I had no idea what their actual role in the story was. And 
it kind of immediately established them as something that's not not just antagonistic but also but almost just like malignantly curious <laughs> in like a childlike way which is kind of its own brand of existentially terrifying <laughs> I, th- I think and also relatable in a in a in a scary way too it, it kind of struck me as this like benevolence um destruction i guess <laughs> is yeah. that it's not really it wasn't really like personal for them you know the the what they're like inflicting on the the ohms as they're called in the film um which i guess is just the root of that word is man um yeah for french is the word for french is home but it's spelled h-o-m-m-e um mm-hmm. and then they just play on that and call them ohm just o-m so um, when you had the opportunity, Jules, to uh, submit a film for the Third Eye uh, series, um, was this the first one that came to mind? And were you like, yes, this one? Uh, this was definitely one of my top ones. Uh, a couple others are totally different. I think I put like Office Space, and uh, but I but I'm a cheerleader, so. Oh. some different uh different approaches to it to see which people would respond to and everybody was most excited about this and i was too so (laughs) okay so so that process was i know i it was explained to us before that the process for picking these is is a little collaborative right you submit a list and then they sort of talk about which one so um but it sounds like this is the one you were kind of like thumping for um with and it just it just struck you a little bit more than the others or yeah i mean uh it just it it stuck in my head so much from the first time that i saw it and um i knew that people i knew that people had probably seen the other ones more than they'd seen this one and then also uh to like seeing this film on the big screen is such such a cool concept to me uh because it's so visually stimulating and uh, I, you know, it's, it's not every day that people watch like French, old French animated films. So, you know, it's like, I just thought it was a, a, a cooler one <laughs> to show yeah. the community, you know, More there's a very like, there's, there's a very like detailed hand-drawn quality to the art, to the art style with this that I can only imagine would be just even more engrossing on a nice big screen. Mm-hmm. Um, like in in the Pickford, um, yeah. The 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 uh, mystique of the the big screen as uh, something we're definitely missing. Uh, just yeah, watching really just watch home it. these days. Um, yeah, and I, I live like kitty corner to the movie theater, and it's just like sad because you know, la- like last summer, my wife and I would just like walk over to the theater, and, you know, with some nights and see like one or two movies. It's great, and yeah. uh, but now I'm like, oh, <laughs> I know you're telling me I really really miss it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I am probably going to like, uh, bore our audience to death with this. Um, but I found the, like the history of the production of this film to be fascinating, a really great, uh, conversation to have. Um, because the director, uh, Rene Lelou, uh, you know, he was a, he was a teenager in, in Nazi occupied France, um, so he's he's carrying all that with him through a, a lot of his work in his adult life, and then during the production of his film, which was it was a co-production with uh, France and uh, the, at the time Czechoslovakia, um, and during the production of his film, 
the, the Soviet Union invades Czechoslovakia. <laughs> so all these things are happening, and then we get this in, incredibly allegorical film, uh, The Fantastic Planet, from René Leloup, that is commenting in large, in large uh, swaths on all of that and more. Um, that, that uh, again, sorry to, sorry to bore you with the little details there, but I, uh, <laughs> I was like, this has to be... I, I read... I, I didn't read. I uh, watched this film, and I was like, this has to be personal, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Well, and what's interesting, too, is that um, there was actually a... I mean, it's a pretty... It's actually a pretty well-studied... Um, cinematic movement called the Czechoslovakian new new wave that ended pretty close to the time this movie came out. Um, and, you know, with, you know, that combined with, you know, the lingering effects of like the French Algerian war um, and just, you know, apartheid in, in South Africa, there are a million real life uh, parallels that have been, ascribes to this movie and i think the brilliance of it is that it, it finds a way to communicate that sort of universal struggle in a way that is all at once unique and feels like of itself it, it, it's described a lot as an allegorical movie but it really does feel like it is telling its own story in a way that connects very much with how we view um real life civil, civil rights struggles and and also the the struggle for animal rights um because it, you know one important uh, facet of this movie is that humans are when not being viewed as a um, as a, uh, a a pest that needs to be destroyed are viewed as pets mm-hmm. um, but not always in a <laughs> but in a in a pretty uh, in, in a pretty damning way I think yeah it, it kind of it it in terms of the the animal rights one uh, like side of things it it plays on all of the different ways that we see animals that we consider pets. Like uh, when they're, when we get the first scene of them putting the collar on him. And uh, I mean, if, if you've ever owned a, owned a pet, like you, you start to identify with the, with the alien, you know, with the blue aliens more than the humans as they like uh, move them around with the, with the collar on. Mm-hmm. And then, and then when she's dressing up her, her own, the, there's like in the film there's there's an like a young alien uh child and she has uh the ohm as a pet so she's dressing him up and um he's kind of there's another part where he's kind of like playing a trick on her and then she like blows so oh yeah mm-hmm. in his face and like you know <laughs> all these all these little things and then also when they're when uh, there are two adult ohms like walking by or adult drags are the right. names of the aliens and they're yeah. walking by these ohms in the gutter and they just step on them like they're bugs mm-hmm. um and like we come to identify as the the drags you know more than the ohms and then you start to see how you treat other species or you know things that are that are considered the other you know and uh yeah that's that's what really stuck with me. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll say, uh, on that, that, um, I, I have, I have two cats. They don't have collars because they will not tolerate it. Um, but you know, I saw the, I saw the scene when they first call her, uh, tear, who's our main character. Um, and then they, um, and it, they have like a wrist remote control, basically that controls the direction that you can pull the, uh, the collar toward. And I, um, 
I saw that and I was like, and my initial reaction was like, oh, that's so like barbaric, you know, they're, they're like choking. And I'm like, wait, that's just, that's just pulling on a leash, right? You know, that's just mm-hmm. like you, you're walking a dog and you pull on a leash that's around this neck. It's the same concept, just like futuristic because there's no physical leash there. So that was a moment where I sort of did like implicate my own behavior, even though, as I said, like I don't have a dog, so I have cats and they don't have collars because, you know, they won't stand for it. But <laughs> yeah, um, definitely. I think that's the whole, that's the whole thing about this film it's like defamiliarizing it you know you see it in this new way and you're like oh wait this is these are things that I do like it makes you rethink your whole relationship yeah I think the fact too that we get um Tiwa as sort of a uh, she, uh she's a the the drug who um takes charge of uh of terror and we kind of you know, at least for the first third or so of the movie, um, you know, kind of experience this society th- through her almost. She's kind of our our main um, POV aside from Tear. And it is interesting because she is a very, I mean, I, I wouldn't describe her as, as willfully cruel at all. Um, she seems to genuinely care for Tear, but it's, it's sort of a, it's like a very, um, it's a very like, you know, domineering, uh, you know, paternal, paternalistic kind of like, kind of care where, you know, he's not really afforded autonomy. Um, he's, you know, she's scolded for, um, you know, having him near her while she's studying with her, uh, with her headband, which becomes a pretty significant plot device later. Um, and it's just the, the fact that, you know, we get our our main understanding of the society through what, you know, on the surface seems to be such a, um, I guess, such a benign character um, and still see how cruelty manifests in different ways, even with that sort of good intentionality um, is what I, I thought that approach was particularly effective um, well, you because meant- it's not just... Oh, go ahead. Sorry, James. Well, I was going to say you mentioned the the, the headband, um, which mm-hmm. in this uh, in this society of the drugs is the is how they is basically school. Uh, the lessons are are beamed into the head through their headband. Um, I like that device because it sort of in and of itself represented uh, the the power, right? Like who, who's holding that and who. And to whom is it denied? Um, because mm-hmm. one of the, the one of the drugs, I think it's one of uh, uh, Tiwa's parents, says like, "No, this is not for them. You can't have them around." And when that's finally missing, is what pushes the drugs over the edge. They're like, "No, not only have they have this one as has this one ohm just escaped into into the wild, but now they have this 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 piece this key to uh, greater uh, to greater power." Um, and and greater power they they do create with it. So but, I mean, but that even almost has its like own nefarious implications too, because it implies that they know that Ohms could make use of this knowledge. It's not like it would fall on deaf ears with them. It's not that they couldn't understand it. They could, and they don't want them to participate in that. And I I, I think that in and of itself is is telling of the drug society because they view it more as keeping them subjugated rather than, you know, trying to provide something 
you know, trying to provide safety or whatnot for them on this hostile planet, it becomes more about, you know, keeping them submissive. Um, they are, they are afraid. Of, and, and I feel like there are ringings of like the Prometheus myth in that of someone, you know, attaining this godlike knowledge and imparting it on, you know, the other, on other humans at the cost of angering these godlike figures. It, it's interesting that, that you say that because as I was rewatching it again, I realized that all of the ohms are wearing clothes, which made me kind of think of that like godlike knowledge. You, you mm -hmm. know where I'm going yeah. with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, like oh, yeah, yeah, kind of like with a like a biblical illusion, like you, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and th there are like all kinds of illusions all over the place in this. I couldn't help but think of like Gulliver's Travels when um when the Ohms uh attack one of the uh, drugs that are just kind of stepping on them outside of their little park that's being invaded, and uh, they they kind of rope them, they rope the one drug down and tie him down with the uh, with ropes and you know well, well, kill him they kill him yeah they kill him <laughs> what's the word yeah they kill him um <laughs> but it it visually it's very it, it evoked that image from uh from gulliver gulliver's travels where you know he he it's the one it's one of the more famous images from the book that like it, you you know even if you haven't read it where like he goes to this island of I forget what the name is, but they're all very small people who live there and they tie him down with rope. Um, and right, again, yeah. kind of like a colonialist, it's kind of like got, got colonialist overtones to it. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's a, it, it was a really interesting way of like combining that sort of familiar imagery with, I mean, frankly, some of the most incredibly creative and unique visual and artistic design that I have ever seen in a movie. <laughs> And and uh, you know I like tools that you mentioned the uh, the score um, because mm -hmm. that was uh, definitely something that stuck out to me throughout that and I don't know maybe I was just like imagining this but I felt like I heard that on like while at the Pickford like before you know how they do the reel before I don't know if that the score was used in just advertising this movie or in in general but I was like this is kind of that has that uh, you know like low key like funky you know psychedelic type of uh, appeal to it and. I don't know exactly what it was, but yeah, it's it's almost a, like a character in and of itself. Totally, yeah. And the the um, uh, person behind it is Alain Goregui. I think I'm saying that correctly. It's G O R A G U E R. Um, but uh, yeah, it's like this. Uh, you could even just listen to it on its own. It it is a little bit repetitive, which kind of adds to that. Like uh, I don't know, like psychedelic storytelling sort of idea during the film but it's like experimental jazz funk uh and then the when the there are certain montages of just like the creatures in in the land <laughs> that they're yeah. on, you know and they all have their own little like noises that come up that i think are from the score like it makes me curious uh how they produce like did did Alan Gorgie like watch it and then decide what he was going to do or, you know, where that was it more collaborative? I don't know. I'd be curious to find that out. Yeah. I, I, I didn't have, I really want to, um, but I didn't have a chance to go through it before we uh, recording this, um, go through all the extras that criterion has for this um, because 
I, I feel like it, like just looking up information on the internet on the movie, it seems pretty sparse. So I'm excited. I, I'm excited to see what they actually have, uh, what information they've actually retained from this movie just by virtue of it coming out uh, through the Criterion Collection, um, which famously doesn't really touch animated movies all that often. Um, Infamously, so perhaps. <laughs> yeah. I was, I had, I had recall. oh yeah, so I had recalled um, thinking about uh, Planet of the Apes, the original one, when talking about this, in, in because you had mentioned uh, them knowing that uh, the Ohms were capable of more and denying them that for the purpose of subjugation, which was one of the key um, key points in there. But I think in, in Planet of the Apes, but underlying that, underlying both of those is, and, and it is a commentary that I think was really well uh, implemented in Fantastic Planet, is how quickly groups see unfamiliar groups as a threat to their existence. Um, mm-hmm. Because the film, of course, does, does that commentary with the between the, the Grogs and the Ohms, uh, of course. Um, the, the, ohm, the Drogs are so worried that the Ohms are going to outnumber them because they reproduce faster. Um, I think it's said, that's said several times. And, um, but the, also the, uh, within the ohms, just in this one area, there are people in, I think they, the great tree or big tree or something like mm-hmm. that. And then the, the hollow bush, there are two little factions there, both of whom they see the, they, they treat the other instantly with hostility. Um, even when at one point there's one person who's acting sort of as a messenger saying, Hey, you know, there's going to be. That we're we're facing an existential threat. They don't want to hear it because it came from the other group. They can't trust them. I thought that was a, a really good part of the film. Yeah, and not to mention that Terra himself. Uh, I mean, he needs to literally engage in a in a in combat to the death before he is <laughs> believed and accepted by the group that he ends up joining up with. Yeah, I forgot. I actually forgot about that part. <laughs> it's just a, yeah, a weird like this crazy like initiation ritual um yeah. yeah there are like factions within factions in this uh in this movie which i, th- I think only goes towards you know establishing its themes that the, the it, it, it where it builds up to a point that uh it, it's not just the drugs threaten the ohms and their existence but that they essentially reach a point of mutually assured destruction um which i mean i think it's it's kind of hard not to think of the cold war um which was very, very much on everyone's mind at the time. Um, so again, just just kind of finding finding a way to to weave in all of these real life parallels into a, a pretty fantastic. Oh no! St- no, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, no, into, it, just into this into this uh, pretty pretty alien and unique environment. Um, and actually, I guess that does kind of lead us to you know, what ultimately ends up being sort of the, the, not really a twist, but the like kind of reveal of the nature of uh, the drugs and their, um, we see them sort of engage in this meditation and like astral projection kind of um, throughout the movie. And then it's only at the end that we, when, when the, uh, when the ohms have found, you know, understood their technology, found a way to shrink it down and create, they build two rockets to escape their uh to escape the the planet they're on uh egam and uh to actually go to the titular they call it they call it wild planet um because savage 
translates to both wild and fantastic. can also mean fantastic. Well, I mean, the, so the it's same kind of, thing could be said for the English language, wild and fantastic. So I mean, right, right. Yeah. It, it's it is it, it's just interesting that that uh that um dual meaning is kind of lost in in translation. But um, and they try they do manage to travel to this the satellite planet um, where they kind of discover the nature of what they were doing with this sort of astral projection ability that they've had this entire time. Well, and and I, 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 I'm still kind of confused. <laughs> well, yeah, I was going to say, I want to, I want to jump in there because, um, yeah. you know, I, I guess I sort of, I, I watched it and it was, I'm a little bit confused with Mike. I guess I, I've come out with what I think is my, uh, little, you know, my understanding of it, but, mm-hmm. but Jules, uh, you've, you've seen this movie more than we have. Um, you're, you're a big fan of it. Um, Tell me your take on the 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 sort of denouement, the big reveal of what's going on on the wild planet, and and how it how it uh, interplays with the movie. You think? Well, so so once once they finally find out what the what the drugs are doing, they, it turns out that when they when they go into this meditative state, they're actually meeting um, on on the planet and like taking over the bodies. Uh, of, I mean, these are just bodies that are sitting there waiting for them to come and take over them, right? And then they have what they call a a nuptial uh, ritual or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And Mm -hmm. we just see these these bodies, like, dancing together. Um, And... uh, And, you know, to to be honest, I think you could... I think you could take this all many different ways, but today... When I was thinking about it, <laughs> I was kind of feeling like um, because they're such they're such like humanoid um, uh, bodies that they take over even more than the than the aliens are. I kind of like this. This is this is a sort of tangential. So you can you can bring it back and tell me what you think. <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, it, it would be cool to think that when these aliens are meditating, they're like taking over like our human bodies that we know. And then like uh, in their, in their like interactions are um, they, they gain, they gain energy. That's what they say. They gain energy and they can uh, reproduce and stuff. And, and uh, I don't know. I, I, I like the idea of like, of like our world sort of being connected to theirs in that like, uh, uh, because their lives are uh, so much longer than us that, you know, perhaps I have an alien controlling me right now in <laughs> energy <laughs> through its meditation. And then it goes back and, uh, you know, can do what it does on the planet of Egon. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I think it's a great way to look at it because I think there's, there's definitely significance to them being to the, I, I don't know if they're actually statues. I think they refer to them as statues, but they are, like you said, they are so humanoid in they're, a way they're that avatars, I, basically, right? They're mm-hmm. avatars um, that I, I I don't think I don't think you can get away with the the connection. You, you I don't think you can ignore the connection between like I, I, almost like they're trying to emulate human virility in a way that like because that in a way that they don't have naturally, um, and I. I it's it's yeah it's it's hard for me to know how to read it in just in like are they uh are they emu like are they doing it out of like admiration or is it 
just do they want to just literally reproduce more? It seems like a very like more like a spiritual experience than like something that's like done specifically for like sex or reproducing or anything. Um, and yeah, I don't, it, it's also like, it kind of recharacterized the, the drugs for me a little bit because it, it took them because we'd only seen them interacting with either other drugs or with ohms. Uh, and if it, if, you know, if they're interacting with ohms, they're usually trying to exterminate them or, or enslave them. Um, but specifically they're, they're interacting with other beings across the galaxy in like kind of a, a benevolent way. So it kind of, it shifted how I thought about them, I guess, from being like just these incredibly xenophobic um, and like colonialist beings to, I don't know, maybe something a little bit more complex. Um, yeah. And, well, and I think that for me, I wasn't as concerned with like why they're doing what they're doing. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, what had struck me about it was sort of just, I, I think it was finding the uh, humanity in your your oppressor and vice versa um Mm -hmm. not to say that you know you know that's always applies or should apply but um you know they the ohms for the first time they they go to this planet and then they they see a whole new side of the drugs that they never envisioned they certainly never envisioned them as you know caring romantic beings um and I, i part of me did wonder if that was sort of like if that notion and what maybe if it doesn't apply because I, <laughs> thanks Mike. <laughs> Sorry. It <laughs> <laughs> just changes zoom background on some alien planet. <laughs> um, but yeah, so part of me wonders if maybe that notion is undercut a little bit by their immediate reaction to it because it, it doesn't, it does seem to be revelatory, but they start out by destroying the, the avatars <laughs> um, <laughs> in part because they're afraid they might crush them, but also that sort of, that gets them, that, that is what sparks the negotiate, the peace negotiations between them. Right. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I'm still chewing on it for sure, but yeah, I think that they, that because what we what we first learn is that that's how they're gaining their energy. I think that that the ohms realize that they've found their weak point, and you know the only way that they're going to gain any uh, power over them or any you know uh, uh, equality is is by attacking them where they where they're weak. You know, uh, yeah. So that's all I took that as. And I mean, to be fair, the conversation only shifts over to we need to reach a peace when the drugs kind of realize that the ohms know what their weakness is at this point. Like, that's the only time that peace is pursued as an option is when destruction seems either to favor the ohms or to be mutually assured. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Because before I think, that, they were literally gassing them, which is... yeah. I mean, a not so subtle reference to past events. Yeah, and and I think one of the more interesting ways that they depict that too is like the the processes themselves that the drugs use are very familiar with like very alien looking like oh. stanks on them, like very alien looking devices. And, but the the actual like what they're actually doing is like scarily familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I don't, just, I don't get it. One of one of uh, citizens ever been gassed by the government? Uh, uh, oh, my <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I kid, I kid. Yeah, yeah. Because Hilarious. it's the only thing that keeps me smiling. I kid. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, you have to cry. Um. So yeah, it it it, it just kind of it it added for me that the whole sort of final chapter added a new layer of complexity in a way that you know. It, it gave dimension to the drugs without necessarily, I mean, it certainly didn't let them off the hook, but it gave a new layer of like a, a, a dimension to them. There, there's, there's more to them than we saw initially. And I thought that was like, a, that was just a very, a very nice touch for, you know, a quote unquote allegorical story um, to have that layer of, of, that extra layer of um, familiar, you know, just adding a new layer of, of familiarity to the to the drugs was kind of interesting. So, um, you know, we're kind of toward the toward the end of uh, talking about you know what actually happened in the movie and, and what our thoughts were. Uh, Jules, I want to know: have you have you showed this to other people besides the uh, besides at the Pickford and the people you've shown it to, um, and including those who saw it at the Pickford? Well, what what was their reaction, or how do you how do you sell it on sell it to them beforehand? Because you know it's not a necessarily an easy movie to to describe or put in a box that people can easily enjoy. Um, yeah, it's it's I when whenever I want to show somebody a movie, I I try my best to not tell them anything about it. Right. And, and this is a great uh, <laughs> this is a great movie to do that with because uh, you know it's so you can't I mean how you. I found that the people, people that I've met who already know about this movie, um, like it makes sense that they already know about this movie. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense, but like, yeah. like uh, you know, the 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 sort of more, um, uh, you know, people who who enjoy like independent art or just like weird, trippy, psychedelic things, you know, like. Uh, the people that I've met uh, that are like that are people who already appreciate this movie. And uh, so actually I have a lot of friends who knew about it. Um, you know, I, I remember um, I, I volunteer at the alternative library uh, and I used to do it a lot more. And when I first showed up uh, this, I saw uh, fantastic planet on VHS upstairs and like the uh, where they project stuff uh, you know, but before when they were in their old building and I was like, okay, yeah, like this, this is like <laughs> a crowd of people that, that I can vibe with. And, and so really, I, I don't think I've shown any of my friends, but, um, when, uh, when it played at the Pickford, um, uh, it was totally sold out. I actually didn't even stay and watch because I gave somebody my ticket because it, it was so packed. Wow. Uh, the people awesome. were really excited about it. Um, and uh, the majority of people there hadn't seen it before. Um, and uh, I, I remember uh, the feedback that the projectionist who was putting it on told me uh, at the time was that uh, uh, everybody who came out, like the, the only thing that she heard them say was, uh, it was very French. <laughs> 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 so whatever that means. <laughs> yeah. But I, you know, I, I envy, of course, I, I don't envy like being accidentally spoiled by movies or anything like that, that I know happens to uh, theater employees all the time. Um, 
but I, I do envy just the experience of having people walk out of a movie and like what they say or don't say. <laughs> and this <laughs> must be a fun one to have, uh, to have experienced because I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I'll admit too, after seeing this, I was sort of speechless, you know, I didn't really have, um, a firm grasp on everything that I had seen and it took a little like rumination. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's always, a, that's a fun little like, uh, sociological experiment. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I'm happy that I saw it now. Just, I, I feel like there, it was almost, it almost felt a little not therapeutic, but it's kind of, uh, kind of cathartic to see power dynamics playing out in a really creative way that still felt like they hit so close to home and what, you know, and, and, and what we're seeing every, every day. Um, it's so, it's a successful revolution, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, also this is going to be a, a weird comparison, but I couldn't get it out of my head. And I, I think I am convinced that, <laughs> The people, the people at Pixar who worked on Toy Story Four took some inspiration from this movie. I refuse to believe that they didn't. Uh huh. <laughs> he escaped into a into a commune of wild toys. Okay. I'm just saying. No, no, no. You're uh, not okay. You're selling it to me. <laughs> I couldn't get it out of my head. Um. That might be one of those things I have to sit with and think you're a little less crazy each time I think about yeah, it. Yeah, look, that's my trick, okay? I just come out and make you think I'm insane. But then I I try and get you into my insane mindset. And I think what I actually do is just, you know, spread my deranged movie opinions, but it's nice to have company. Oh, I mean, well, I mean, you you should be used to it for me. I mean, well, uh, Jules, in case you don't know, I mean, like most, uh, you know, white film buffs, white male f- film buffs, we love Martin Scorsese. Um, <laughs> and we sort of have conversations, of course, about the hierarchy of his filmography. And I went after The Wolf of Wall Street came out, I was like, Mike, this is this is up there with like Raging Bull and Taxi Driver. And he was like, and he was like, you are insane. He, I think he called me illiterate at one point. Um, Did I re- oh, that's rude. I, I, that's rude of me. It I'm was sorry. an initial reaction. That's fine. In, in passion, <laughs> I understand. But I, I think like every year he's thought I was a little less crazy for saying that. I'm still crazy, a little bit less. I think. But... Still crazy, but a little bit less so maybe. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, so that is the Fantastic Planet. You can watch it on the Criterion Channel. Um, you can also, I rented it on Amazon. It's like four. You bucks, know, I believe you know. it's actually also on HBO Max. Oh yeah, I did see that it has come to HBO Max. If you can find out how to subscribe to that, you know, let me know. It's also I, on YouTube. What was that? You have to pay for it on YouTube too. But oh, if you, don't you can rent wanna, it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. You don't want to rent to Amazon YouTube. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, that's I'm, that's a moral question that I keep struggling with. <laughs> oh, I I quit. I quit Prime. I know, and I'm I'm. Uh, it's not as it's 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 not so once you stop expecting everything in you know a day. Yeah, right on. <laughs> yeah, and um, honestly, I I ordered things like during the pandemic that I didn't expect to get for like weeks, and I was fine with that. And they show up like a day from now. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Why? I didn't need I didn't need the Invisible Man on Blu-ray now. You know? Oh my God, James. <laughs> Again, like so much I, human. 
so much human suffering went to get you that blue. I know. And in, during the during a pande- I hope pandemic, I was I was honest. No, I was I was hoping and expecting that they would take their time. I'm like, get this to me when you can. And they're like, oh, you want us to make someone pee in a bottle to get it to you tomorrow? I'm like, no, I didn't want that. <laughs> um. Anyways, yeah, this is taking a left turn as it always does. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yes, uh, Jules, I don't know if you, uh, we said we could give you the opportunity to plug for whatever you want to plug. Um, if there is anything, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to. Yeah, I don't think I have much to plug. Uh, just cool. keep out, you know, you can, you can uh, follow what the Pickford's doing on their um, Instagram and at their website and stuff. Uh, I think things have slowed down, but they still have a virtual screening room open and, you know, always accepting donations. And I think cool. that's all I'd like to plug for that yeah no that's perfect and if there's ever anything that is is going on um hopefully we'll we'll see it we'd love to you know and we'll uh mention it on the show on future shows um and at the very least you know put it put put it out there that you know the pickford's a great uh great institution and uh anyone who can is able to um should donate because it's it means a lot to us and a lot of people so Yep. Um, so the Colt Standard, you can find us at coltstandardpod.com. And uh, we have there also a spinoff podcast called Courage a Cowardly Podcast, where we review <laughs> every episode of Courage a Cowardly Dog. Um, so that's that's happening. And you can fi- find us on Twitter at Colt Standard Pod. And I th- oh, and also, yes, I, I always have to like go through the, what do I have to tell people to do? What's my call to action? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. The... You can find our podcasts on uh, iTunes, sorry, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, the the big three, plus we should be on all the other like podcast apps and such. So mm-hmm. if we're not, please let us know. You can also send us an email. Um, we are cultstandardpod at gmail.com. Yes, we're just cultstandardpod everywhere. Yes. Also, James, it. James, before we go, though, we have to make it clear. Would you... Are, are you going to join this astral projecting meditation session? <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah, you're right. Sorry, I forgot about that. But uh, yeah. I, I, you know, a lot of times it's obvious. Yes, I'm. Uh, I, I'm happy yeah. to be a, join the the cult of Fantastic Planet. That sounds that sounds great. Yes, same here. As long as I, as long as it doesn't require uh, subjugating ohms, I'm down. <laughs> Absolutely. Yay! Welcome. Thank you, yeah, and thank you <laughs> so much for putting this forward. Um, I, it's it's been like on the periphery for for like me at least for a long time and i didn't know when i would ever get to it so i'm very happy to have been able to experience it now great yep you're a successful recruiter um so thank you as again so much for joining us and thank you to you know the pickford for everything that you do and um yeah we have a we have a a general sign off here that we do um sometimes <laughs> it goes is it the is it the the cable guy i think it might be we didn't even really like that movie that much i know <laughs> whatever click yeah truly amazing